Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, erotic hypnotism and kitchen appliances. It's it's like we get to be stars in our own movie or our own play where we can lay things out. And sometimes it's easier to do that through hypnosis, but you're bringing in the elements of sexualness. So you're exploring an intimate kind of world with somebody. I really love hearing what turns people on and then being able to enjoy like where I can take that and what I can add. So there's a whole fetish that I get to play with quite a bit, which is cuckolding. I had somebody come and do that once while I was playing with a lover upstairs and he was so bad at windows. I never had him come back again and serve. He left streaks fucking everywhere. I was like, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, Download, subscribe, share, leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I think the best way to introduce you to our first guest is to play a sample of one of her clips. Thinking is overrated. Now is the time to relax, the time to feel. The time to let all of those ideas swimming in your head Start to get soft and liquid and slide right out of your mind into the ether. This is erotic hypnotist, Glitter Goddess. Quick note, this is a little bit longer than most of our interviews, but it gets more and more and more interesting as we go along. And I think that she has a really good message at the end. What is erotic hypnosis? I'd say it's a journey that you can take with somebody else. And it's kind of like if you can imagine like a guided meditation, but you're bringing in the elements of sexualness. So you're exploring an intimate kind of world with somebody. Like what's this sexual part of it? Is it the hypnosis itself or is it getting somebody into a state where they can kind of be relaxed? Well, hypnosis itself can be a fetish of its own, and it can also be added to any sort of proclivity or curiosity that someone has. And so I'll ask them questions and learn a few things about them. So I kind of know where to guide things. I'm also a dominant person, so I'm really leading that experience. And then there's no wrong way for the person who's receiving to then just lay back relax, see where the journey takes us, add in elements so they're not just a total bystander. It's actually something that we end up creating together, but it really seems like I'm doing all of the talking, all of the working, all of the playing, maybe even a little manipulation, things like that. Now, is this kind of a, I don't know if the right word is fetish or kink or whatever the right word would be. Is this an offshoot of something else or is this kind of like, this is its own thing? I think it's really its own thing. I mean, the weirdest thing for me, which is the most enjoyable part about my work, is that so many things in the world can be a turn on for people. And so for some people that totally like grosses them out, like, oh my God, a chair could turn someone on or like, you know, like, shouldn't we have this all a little bit more controlled? But for me, I'm like, I love to take a, take a walk, take a gander into somebody's mind and actually find out what makes them titillated and then explore that more the thing that i wonder is like how do you how did you find this how do people like discover this about themselves because it doesn't seem like the thing that like right it's not on the front page of Pornhub, so to speak it was hugely popular when i first started getting started being a dominatrix and i honestly cannot remember how i began doing it it was just 
natural. It felt like something that I would all like that I've just always done. Is it purely sexual? I mean, obviously the name erotic hypnosis, you would think it's purely sexual, but is it purely sexual? Or some people are like, you know what? I'm kind of stressed out from work. Instead of watching a YouTube video, I'm going to check this out. I think it could be going in that direction a little bit more. Um, I Usually people are coming for some, some erotic element. So basically what I say, it's a little naughty, but, you know, clip it out if, if it, if it must be. But I let them know that, you know, we take deep breaths together at the beginning. It's very, very relaxed, very casual because I'm guiding. So there's nothing they have to do. And, and I let them know that at any time, and I can't see them for the most part. Occasionally I'll do a cam session, but mostly it's just each other's voices. We're talking on the phone at any time. If they'd like to touch themselves anywhere, they can. So it's really their choice how how they want to experience that part of the pleasure. Now, when you say guiding them, this may sound like the same thing, but in my mind, I feel like it's different. Are you guiding them or telling them what to do? Ooh, good question. Am I guiding them or telling them what to do? Well, being that I am a dominant person, I would say it's more like, telling them what to do, but I do have more of a seductive side of my domination. Some people are more forceful and yell and a little, you know, demeaning all the time. And I tend to, I tend to do whatever works and for, for an individual. And it can be a totally different thing that can invite somebody to try something that they've never done before. But usually, usually it's, it's telling them what to do. <laughs> do you enjoy that part of it? Or is that like, all right, I got to do this now. Uh, I enjoy that very much. I, um, I like, I like being inspired. So when each person has something different that turns them on, I get to add that to my whole, um, let's say artist box of, of things that can turn me on or give me ideas or inspire me or different fantasies. So if someone has like a, a specific fantasy, that's like really exciting to me. That's like a new color in the palette to play with. I really love hearing what turns people on and then being able to enjoy like where I can take that and what I can add. Is now, but is there a commonality in most of it? Like, okay, you're coming to erotic hypnosis, you got to check this box, check this box and check this box because this is what the people are going to want. It's it's really different from person to person. And um, the relaxation part can be kind of similar. Like I take people down into this relaxation kind of similarly. Um, and so that actually becomes a bit of something that they look forward to each time because it, it, that, that sense of melting and relaxing and letting things go, letting things from your day go, that, that is something that they get to look forward to at the beginning of each session. And then we get to explore where, where to go from there. Is most of your business, is it creating clips and putting them out like on clips for sale or any of those kind of places, or is it more on the phone? It's a bit of both. I have um, clips on quite a number of stores online, and I love being able to talk with people one-on-one. -on -one. So for me, it's been so wonderful how it's been just more and more accessible to people to be able to get clips, to be able to call, to be able to interact in multiple ways now. But um, but it's easy. The weird part is it's really easy for me to connect with people while making videos. So a, a comment I get all the time is it, it feels like you made that video just for me. On a scale of like one to 10, with 10 being the most mainstream thing you can, like missionary position, the most main thing, stream thing you can think about, and one being whatever, I don't even know. Where like on the scale of popularity do you think that this would be? Maybe somewhere in the middle and... I think it would go in the middle because hypnosis is almost like a, a a carrier for something. It's I don't know why I'm thinking of essential oils right now. I'm not even like trained in essential oils, but in essential oils you is have like a carrier side job? oil. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But in essential oils, there's something that's like a carrier oil, 
and you can add other things to it. But like, let's say you apply something to your skin, it doesn't burn you because you've got this carrier oil. So anyway, it's maybe not the best description in the world, but a hypnosis can, can carry with it pretty much any kink or fetish. And especially now during times where we might not be interacting um, in person as much with people, but still desire an intimate connection with somebody, we can talk about really 10, number 10 level things, which is really just like, hey, you've got a body, I've got a body, (laughs) we find each other attractive, let's, let's, you know, just kind of have fun with that, to like, some of the most extreme things that, like you said, you might not even know what they are, I, I might not know what they are either. And that would only be mitigated by my interests. So if our interests wouldn't overlap, then, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't work out. But basically hypnosis, like anything can be added to it and explored more deeply um, through that than let's say a phone conversation without the hypnotic elements. So I'll use an example from somebody who works in the adult industry that we've interviewed before, just to kind of have a place to jump off this conversation necessarily. So when you mean it's kind of like a gateway, let's say that somebody is attracted to watching people eat cheese, which is something that a former guest of ours, that was her most biggest request is like, I want to see you eat cheese. So then if that was this person's interest, would they be hypnotized and then want you to eat cheese? Or would they want you to eat cheese and then hypnotize them? Or like, how would this go if this makes any sense at all to you? Oh, it does make sense. I I don't really get requests like that. The kind of requests that I get are more like, I have to, and they call me goddess. So it's like, goddess, I have to manage a group of people at work. I am under so much stress. I just want to have you be in charge and just show me what I can do that'll make you happy and turn you on. And so then that's what we'll explore in the session. So it's much more common instead of like uh, a specific thing that I'm supposed to do. It's more like, what is it that they're wanting to add to their lives? Okay, so they have to be dominant in their lives and they don't really love the weight of that. It's a a bit of a heavy burden. So it might be just putting that aside and actually taking orders, not having to make any decisions whatsoever, but having me be their decision maker. It's actually a relief for them to be able to, to let that go. As far as specific fetishes go though, like for example, um, it's really common for, for a request for me to be wearing pantyhose during like, let's say we have like a cam session together. Someone would like to see me wearing pantyhose. That's, that is an option. And there's something about pantyhose that can be totally hypnotic, like that texture and the way that it looks on my skin, that little barrier between, you know, their touch and my warm skin, then, um, then that kind of request would be okay. But I've never had anybody ask me to eat cheese. <laughs> Actually don't even like cheese. <laughs> Is there kind of like a typical clientele? I know that everybody can be different, but would you say that like, all right, well, they fit this general kind of a pattern? Yeah, yeah. I would say my typical clientele would be somebody who has tried out what is supposed to be a satisfying, normal sexual experience and has just found that to be not as satisfying as what other guys seem to talk about. So it's like going out and meeting girls and having sex like with somebody that they might meet at a bar and, or maybe even they've tried, maybe they've been married or had several girlfriends and have really tried to find like a connection through all the things that we're supposed to be satisfied with in life. And that, or at least society says we're supposed to be satisfied by that. And it just hasn't met those kind of expectations. And then they start to veer a little bit. Oftentimes they might be searching things on for their like porn keywords. And one thing leads to another, maybe they find me and they realize that they can bring exactly who they are to the table. And that's one thing that's so important to me is like being, being that person in someone's life where they don't have to be embarrassed of who they are. They don't have to be any different than who they are. They don't have to pretend like they're not turned on by the things that do light them up. Um, And they don't also have to pretend to be a sort of alpha, masculine, 
in charge kind of person. And I think there's a lot of, I mean, we've heard this like phrase, I think a lot like toxic masculinity, this sense of like this overbearing, maybe like forceful kind of a guy. And I think it leaves um, men in general in the, in society now, like in a really tough position because you're, you're expected to be so many things, but those things that you're expected to be are never the same thing. So it's like, everybody would have a different perspective on how you're supposed to be as a man. And I find that exhausting even to think about, much less having to live that. So part of what's really important to me is to create that safe space where it's like, look, exactly how you are is is perfect to me. Like exactly who you are is is who I want to get to know. When your clients come to you, are they... I don't want this to sound like a judgment call, right? It's more just kind of understanding where people are coming from. Are they hesitant about it? Are they embarrassed about it? Are they like ashamed about it? Are they kind of like, this is what I like and give me some of that, right? That is a super good question because it actually, it's across the board. It's all of those things that you mentioned. And I've been doing it enough years now that like it's pretty common for me to take a call because I'm on some platforms where like I can just turn my line on and I can get a call from anybody. And so I just pick up the phone and I'm like, okay, where's this going to go? Who is this that I get to explore with? And and it is often that they're like, goddess, I've been watching your videos for years. I have never gotten the courage to call, but today I saw your line was on and I just, I don't even know what to say. I just wanted to say hi and thank you. And like, that just melts me because I'm just like, I'm so honored. Um, of course, that's just such a thrill for me. Like being a dominant woman like here, it's like, I, I didn't even know that this person had been spending years watching my videos and then I get to talk with them. It's so exciting. I've always wondered what that was like, right? Like in the sense that how people like yourself, like, is that weird? Because you know what people are doing. Oh, yes. And I love that. What about it? Like, do you like the attention necessarily? Or is it just like you like that somebody's doing that to you? Or like, what about it is your cup of tea? That is also a great question. Um, I, I love the attention. I love the admiration. I love the lust. Um. I think I'm also, I, I know, I, it's not that I think, I know I'm a bit of an exhibitionist. Um, I think it's just a part of who I am. And part of, part of what makes it so great that there are guys out there willing to explore their submissive side and not be this just stereotypical, this is what a quote unquote man is supposed to be, is my side of the dominance looks a lot less silly because they actually exist. Like imagine how silly it would be for me to go around being like, and now you get to massage my feet. And now, you you know, it's like they, they're that other side of the coin that like for some reason, and who knows why for me, I never even tried to really examine why we get turned on. I more like harness that. I'm like, Oh good. There's like a little, you know, a jewel, a treasure to pick up like, Oh great. But it's, it's like we we make each other less unusual by the mere fact that the other exists, if that makes sense. Yeah, it'd be a little bit strange if you're hypnotizing yourself and then like telling yourself what to do. Sex is generally best done, and I don't not that you have sex with people, but you know what I mean. Like it's generally best done with another person, whoever that person is. Yeah, yeah. So how like for for a typical session, or is session the right word? I don't know. Yes. Okay. For like a typical session, like how, what do you do? What do they do? Like how does, can you walk me through like the process? Like how does it go? I think the session just begins. Sometimes we'll chit chat about life. Sometimes, you know, something will come up and we just end up talking about really whatever, whatever's there. It's just, it's so different from call to call. And that's part of also what makes it such a joy to, to explore. Some people are already completely turned on by the time I get them on the phone. So at that point, there's no chit chat about straight anything to it, right? other than just like <laughs> straight to like, oh, wow, this is the good stuff. Okay. But, but again, it, 
even getting to know each other and having those kinds of conversations, that's, that's just a different kind of good stuff. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound like a cop out thing. It's just, I have a lot of varied interests. Sometimes we'll end up talking about like, um, you know, specific kinds of, of music and like these different nuance, like nuances of music that we have in common that we really like. And, you know, I think it's just like meeting a friend. It's just a different way to connect yeah. than, than we might be used to. Then, like, how does it go once you kind of get to the getting? That's part of what the hypnosis helps with. So it's like, okay, we might have been chatting for a while and getting to know each other. And then that's where maybe my dominant side will come out more. And I'll say something like, you know, it's okay. So now I'd actually like to hypnotize you. Are you ready to, to relax for me? So then we'll find a place to lie down, get comfortable, have hands free for, you know, more fun occasions than just holding a phone. And, and then we'll get started. And that's where I just completely relinquish the person I'm talking with from any need to say anything, do anything. Their job is to just purely relax and listen to my voice and just to allow the experience to, to happen, to unfold. Will you tell them to do certain things? Yes, sometimes. Yeah, there there are moments, for example, where I can tell somebody's getting really close to orgasm and um, I would like them to take their hand away so that the pleasure can be prolonged. One of the things I really enjoy doing is actually guiding what they're doing and how they're touching. And part of that could be to actually extend the, 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 um, yeah, the pleasure and, and it's edging is, is what it's called. <laughs> Basically, it's just edging that pleasure along so that it just um, can last longer. Oh, so edging is kind of just like stay where you are and let it build up. Yeah, or so edging would be like getting getting really close to to orgasm and then taking your hand away, letting the pleasure subside for a few moments and then letting it build back up. And there are times where someone might do this for, you know, hours even, usually before maybe talking with me or I'm, I'm there with some of it, or maybe it's even just 15 minutes. So it can, it can really vary. This is a, this, this is an indication of the stage of my life where I'm at, where like hours, who's got that kind of time, right? Like, <laughs> listen, we got five minutes here. <laughs> that kind of totally. Uh, and but, that is part of why I have like a lot of different kinds of videos because I, I do get calls sometimes like from guys um, or even I'll get a message that they had a, a lunch break and they went from work and they went and watched one of my videos and had some fun and then got to go back to work. <laughs> it men's ability to basically take any free time to essentially masturbate is amazing <laughs> to me, right? Like if a guy oh, has 10 really minutes is. of free time, he is, what are you going to do with it? There's only one thing I'm going to do with it. Totally. And I've, I've is, heard over and over too, which makes me feel so good is like that somebody feels like a teenager again, that they haven't had that kind of drive or pleasure in, in such a long, long, long time that they're like in teenager level again. And I like, to me, that's success. I'm just so happy that somebody could God. just lose control over their horniness just, so dynamically. <laughs> I remember those days. God, that was just, it was an equal combination of excitement and awful at the same time. We're like, how can this thing be steering every decision that I'm possibly making. I, I'm assuming that most of your clients then are men. Is it, do you know have like a percentage? Are we talking like 80% or like 99%? We, we're at 100. We're at 100%. Really? There's no women that kind of sneak in there at all? Um, no. Is, is that just for you though, or is that pretty much like across the board? Every woman who does this in the industry, it's all men. There's not a, no one's ever even heard of a woman being interested in this. Well, I haven't, I haven't talked to tons of people who are in a similar line of work than as me. So I can't speak for anybody else. But what I will say is that I've played a little bit more with that in my, in my private life or more one-on-one, -on -one, like it's not something I'm opposed to, but as far as people who reach out to me and ask for sessions, um, it's all guys. Now I do get women reaching out to me asking for sessions on how to create a business similar to mine, but totally different conversations come up from that. So I think um, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where guys are looking for me. 
Is there something about it, though, that only like appeals to men? Like women would just not be interested in this. That's a really good question. I know that there are a lot of submissive women out there. And maybe it's, it's, I'm just not that creature that they desire to surrender to. But also, I think if we look at who's out there spending money on sexual experiences online, I think we've got, in general, more more guys. Now, okay, is this is this the full-time living? Um, so I am somebody who likes to have a lot of things going on in my life at the same time. So I have other vanilla jobs that I do. Um, vanilla jobs. But, the, but yes, I mean... Yeah, I've been doing this for years and years, and it's definitely, definitely sustainable as a as a full time living. Like, how lucrative of a business is this? It can be. It can be huge. It can be as big as you want it to be. Um, the first month that I joined Night Flirt, that's the first platform that I was ever on, and I'm still on it because I love it so much. The first month that I was on Night Flirt, I kept my call line on day and night. I was so thrilled that this was even a thing and that I could express my dominance and that I could play with people. I'd get, I'd wake up in the, like 3am, someone would call and I'd be like, what, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And I was, I made myself available. And then, you know, I started climbing in ranks. I ended up being first on the page so people could find me even easier. And $12,000 is what I made in the very first month of doing it. You made $12,000? First go at it. And, and, I, I had my call rate so low at that time too. I spent a lot of time on the phone and I met a lot of people. And some of those people I'm still connected with today. I'm not on like I was that very first month, but then there are other things that, that you do. Like that, that was before I had even one video for sale. That was 100% calls only. And now I've got clips and I want clips, you know, clips for sale and, uh, and loyal fans, which is the new one that I just started playing with. Man, what am I doing? That is, man, there is no limit to people's sexuality. And as my my personal opinion is, as long as you're not hurting anybody against their will, who gives a shit? Exactly so. I mean, I had somebody who called years ago now, maybe six years ago, who said, you know, I've wanted to put on a pair of pantyhose for so long. He, he said, maybe it's been 35 years. I don't even know. I've never done it. And, and I was like, let's set up a time. Let's do it. Like, we'll just chat today. And then, you know, later this week, let's set up a time and I'll just be there with you and you can put your pantyhose on and let's try it. And we did. And it, and the part that I see as such a sadness is when we, when we don't allow ourselves to try something out, especially, you know, the main thing is like you said, if it's not hurting anybody else, but part of it is we think when we're either married or in a partnership with somebody that it'll hurt them if we explore what our kinks are. And that's where things get a little bit interesting to negotiate with relationships because a lot, so many people do have a committed relationship, yet the things that turn them on aren't necessarily the things that their partner would understand or get about them. So it can become pretty complex. Right? Like you never know. You might be listening to this at home thinking, God, all this stuff is so weird. And then you could just love it. If you just, you never, who knows? Have you ever had somebody been like that? No, this, that was not for me. Like wanted to try it. And then was just like, oh, I do not like spicy chicken wings. Right? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I tried buffalo sauce and I'm like, I don't get it. Mm. I can't get into buffalo sauce. <laughs> um I think the closest that I've had to something like that, that they've been at least, you know, I, yeah, that someone shared with me is that I've found that people who are really, really, really intellectual, and I'd say live kind of from their head, up, yeah. like really just can't let their bodies be in charge is it's, it's really challenging to take somebody into a trance when they're really mental, like even to get you know, have an erection or to have your, you know, your body turned on. It's like, you kind of have to let your head go. And so I always see it as a huge honor when somebody's willing to relinquish even that control. Cause it can, I mean, think about, I mean, for me, at least I think about when I get horny, like I'm, I'm open to all sorts of suggestions, you know, <laughs> like start thinking about like, Oh, this sounds fun. And Oh yeah, I'd love to try that. Whether I do it in person 
totally different story. But to be able to bounce that off of somebody and play, it's like, I can be this one minute, something totally different, another, and, and it's all okay because it's all just stuff we were talking about. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? I would love that. So I'll edit this part out. Audience is nice. They're not assholes. They're really not. The questions are a little bit quirky, but they come from like a good place. And sometimes they just don't know how to ask them necessarily. Um, Totally. Are there other fetishes within erotic hypnosis? Like are there different levels? Like I, I don't even know what to give an example. So one would be like um, adding some JOI, which stands for jerk off instruction. So I would often add elements of guiding how a person would touch themselves, which is really fun because it can, it, it basically takes, takes masturbation to a slightly different place because it's you physically doing it, but me guiding what happens. And so I'd say it like the physical sensations are, are different. Like, Better than even just switching hands. <laughs> switching hands? Is that even possible? Have you ever, you haven't tried that? <laughs> God, you know what? I Sometimes don't know Sometimes people if will I try ever... their left hand because it feels like somebody else. <laughs> well, I'm left-handed, so then I, I don't know if I ever have. It'll feel like somebody else if you do. But, I, but basically it's like, if I'm guiding things, it'll, it'll just be a different flow, a different rhythm, a different thing that you get to experience is all night. I mean, by I'm the royal you, like everybody. <laughs> right. You may be seeing my face right now where I'm so wondering, like, have I ever, have I ever done that? <laughs> it's been there the whole time. Like, why haven't I? <laughs> like, I've, I've had this thing. This is the, the role that I play in many right? people's lives. I can lives. see why you're so popular now, right? Like, have you ever thought about using the other hand? And this is where men's brains are, right? Like once it gets going, there's no blood up top. Totally. That's what I talk. I distinguish between the upper brain and the lower brain. And I honestly demand nothing of the upper brain while (laughs) while I'm talking with with my wonderful friends of mine. (laughs) I can really see why men like this because it's just we don't have to do anything. Exactly. It's so relaxing. But is, is, is JOI completely different? They're, they're very complementary. They can go together and they can be completely separate. So I could do a hypnosis session that doesn't involve jerk off instruction, JOI, jerk off instruction, but, um, oftentimes I will add elements of that. And, um, some, uh, now I'm starting to do more of edging and more of JOI sessions and videos for the sites without hypnosis that for the sites that don't like that as much. Like, for example, I'm starting to do a Sunday worship broadcast on loyal fans. So I did my first one this past Sunday. So anybody who follows me there on loyal fans, they get to see me leading this sort of, it's very blasphemous. And I totally cop to that, like a Sunday worship where it's like, yep, it's me, goddess. (laughs) And so they're watching and, and I'm guiding more of a meditative, relaxation session that does involve erotic things. And I would not, I wouldn't say that it goes over the edge into hypnosis. So I think if anything, I'm starting to be a little bit tamer. (laughs) I'm glad someone else asked this question so that I can frame it around them asking it and I don't have to ask it. Are you doing things to yourself during the videos? Is that part of it? Yes. So I don't have any videos that are fully nude, um, but I do uh, show things I like to show off my body. I said I'm an exhibitionist, and it's really true. Like, I like to be seen, and I like to be lusted after. And, um, yeah, my videos are each a little bit different from each other, so there's always something that you get to see, like a different side of me or a different part of my body. Like, there are these, yeah, mental, like the more of like the cognitive different parts of me and then different parts of my body as well. Some videos are just purely focused on breast worship. And so that's gets to be the center of attention. <laughs> but you're not necessarily simulating sex acts during it. I do not simulate sex acts. No, it's really, it's more like kind of like what, I mean, it's similar to us kind of talking on the camera right now, because I'll set up a camera and then I might be a little further back. So the viewer can see more of me, but it's just me talking to you. So it really feels like a one-on-one experience. But phone sessions, I mean, it's a totally different dynamic because we're hearing each other. And sometimes that can actually be even more 
intimate sometimes because you hear these like real subtle things in somebody's voice and you don't ever feel like, like as a, as a, let's say a caller to me, you never have to worry what you look like. You just lay there. You can have your eyes closed, open. You can be touching yourself, not. And that's how I do it. I'm either touching myself or not. Like sometimes even on calls, I'm like, I'm playing with myself. If I'm, if I'm into it, I'm into it. Um, but on video, I'm not like a full Monty kind of gal. <laughs> have you done in-person sessions in the past? Do you continue to do them? I used to do in-person sessions a whole lot. When I first started out as a dominatrix and with erotic hypnosis, I was living in New York City and it was such a brilliant place to explore. And sometimes I would have like three different lawyers coming over different days a week cleaning my apartment. And oh, it was just as part of it. amazing. Why are they always cleaning? Ah, I see now. <laughs> they were clean. Yeah, it's that domination kind of side coming through. And it was so funny because it was like, there was one week where I'm like, wow, three different lawyers specifically. And it's not like I even have an overwhelming number of, of lawyer clientele. But um, it was just, there were just so many. There's so much diversity there in people's sexual interests and a real openness. And then I moved to Houston, which I thought I'll just keep going with all of this real-time sessions and real-time play. And I realized I live in the Bible Belt. <laughs> so doesn't happen. And I just, I just sort of, after trying to kind of get things off the ground here with, with the in-person sessions and realized how different culturally it is, I realized I'm actually having so much fun connecting with people from all around the world. I, I don't actually like trying to put my effort into the local part so much when I can have such a vast variety of people that I get to play with, like people from, from Italy, for example. I was chatting with someone earlier today from Italy and I'm it's just it's just wonderful to meet people from around the world. I keep wondering, like, did they do a good job? The lawyers, when they cleaned your apartment, like, was it like, ooh, this is like cleaning service good? Um, well, with the with three different people that week, the apartment was super, super clean. Um, I have had somebody come over. So there's a whole fetish that I get to play with quite a bit, which is cuckolding. And so that desire to be submissive to me while I might have a lover that I'm playing with, that they're maybe cleaning the house or doing little household chores to like make everything great for me. Um, I had somebody come and do that once while I was playing with a lover upstairs and he was so bad at windows. I never had him come back again and serve. <laughs> he left streaks fucking everywhere. I was like, okay, I get it. And this was not helpful. Now I have to like, pay somebody to come and I don't mind paying anybody to clean my house. Like, I feel like that's, it's a true gift to have house cleaning and one that I am happy to pay for. <laughs> I now don't rely on just <laughs> indentured <laughs> or not. That's not the right word, but like, yeah, the submissive. I have never wanted to interview somebody more than that guy. And been like, how did you feel when goddess glitter dumped you as, 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 a client because you didn't do a good job cleaning the window <laughs> years he keeps trying to come back and i'm just like no so when like if they do the cuckolding thing are they like in there i know they're do they're doing their they're doing the task necessarily but are they in there like doing their thing at the same time or do they like do that at home or when did they find their release i guess totally so that's something that is super fun to play with hypnosis because it's almost like transports us to that place where it's going on. So we can set, I can set the stage of like, this is what's going on. This is where you are. This is what's happening. And it's, it's like we get to be stars in our own movie or our own play where we can lay things out. And sometimes it's easier to do that through hypnosis than it is in real life. Cause you know, there are personality things, there's timing, there's when can you not get caught by, by a spouse, all these different things. <laughs> but on the phone, we can like lay this out seamlessly. Like I've, I've literally had it before where I've in New York, where I had a, a apartment that had a loft and I was upstairs having sex with my lover and the, the cuck was down there cleaning and doing things. And I went down, got a foot massage from him. And then I told him that it was his job now to then give 
my lover a foot massage also, which was like, he turned, he blushed completely. It was like most mortifying thing, but he knew that was his task. And he, he also let me know from the beginning, he was interested in exploring cuckolding this, you know, things he's done this, he'd like to try these things. So it's, it was uh, not out of the blue, but definitely still a stretch for him to explore something like that. And definitely a huge turn on. That's, is there anything else that you think that I missed or anything like, ooh, this is interesting. We should talk about this. So so what I would say is that if if we allow ourselves to explore sexually into areas that we're kind of concerned might be a little bit too much to explore, but we allow ourselves to actually go into that, it's like I would encourage people to look at what's, what's the worst that could happen here. Because I, I do remember being a young woman and almost frightened of my own sexual sexuality or sexualness before I even went in there. Like I knew that it was just going to be this beast somehow before I even had my first orgasm. And I kind of stood at the edge of that ocean for a while. And I ended up doing um, a really strict meditation path for about five years where I no alcohol, no meat, no eggs, no sex of any kind, nothing. And so part of what I did is I built my whole life around keeping those things as far away from me as possible so that I wouldn't be consumed by something, whatever that was. I didn't know. And when I started to allow myself to, I guess it was kind of like even trust that if I have an interest in something that it probably wouldn't destroy me, but I'd be worth it would be worth finding out even if it did. (laughs) That's when I started to really find what pleasure was for me because I had tried other things that were seemed like they were supposed to be satisfying for other people. And I I just couldn't relate to it. And so if anybody is out there feeling like what they would be interested or might be interested in would be just too weird. That's totally okay. Like there is actually no such thing as being normal sexually. There's not one person that doesn't have some outlying interest or proclivity or even curiosity. And maybe, maybe it's okay to at least explore it even during a time when you're by yourself and masturbating. And, um, I guess that's a little bit where I get on the soapbox a little bit, like I'd like people to just know that it's okay. And that what turns you on doesn't define you as a person. And it's there for 10 seconds. It could be gone next month. It could be gone right after you orgasm. It could be there years later, but it doesn't define you and it can change at any time. So why not? Why not? have fun. <laughs> Why not find out what, what pleasure is possible instead of like building up the walls? Cause I've done the whole wall thing too. <laughs> That's good advice. Good for you. Right? Like just find out, right? You might not think you like roller coasters, but hop on one and who knows? Yeah. Just give yourself permission that like pleasure, pleasure is okay. I want to thank Glitter Goddess so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites, we're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Have you ever been hypnotized? Uh, once, but I have to tell you, I, I don't, I'm not sure I believe in it because I, uh, I went along with it pretending to be hypnotized. How do you know that wasn't part of being hypnotized, though? Like, maybe he hypnotized you into pretending like you were being hypnotized. He said, you know, start acting like an animal. So in my brain, I said, oh, I have to do something funny. So I got on my, well, now you're making me, now you're, <laughs> now you're making me wonder if maybe it was the hypnosis that made me do that. I always thought it was my, like, free will that made me do that. Yeah, dude, it sounds like you were hypnotized, actually. Oh, no. So wait a minute. What animal did you pretend to be then? Uh, I got <laughs> so embarrassing. There's actually a video of this somewhere. Uh, I got on all fours and started to moo like a cow. Did you surprise yourself with the animal you picked? I just remember thinking the, the girl next to me was a dog and she was barking. So I'm like, well, I can't be a dog. So I might as well just be a cow. 
That is a good question. Do you think that everybody on that panel, well, though, was hypnotized and didn't know it? Or <laughs> they were just going along like, well, I'm not going to be the one person who's not hypnotized because then what am I, I'm just going to be up here being awkward. Maybe that's what they count on. Yeah, I think they do. I, I, I really, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, I was really relaxed and, and whatnot, but I, I don't think, I don't think I was under it. I don't, I really don't, but I, I could have been, but I don't I, think I, I think you might've been hypnotized, man. <laughs> it kind of sounds like you were hypnotized. I'm uh I'm, I'm actually kind of petrified to be, to be actually hypnotized. I'm a little petrified of it. Why? Uh, I mean, going to a place and, and, and revealing things when you're in another state of consciousness to, to somebody is not something that I care to do ever in my lifetime. Whenever we do top fives, John and I, we text back and forth with suggestions. And I can always tell John's deep, dark, secret fears and aspirations because he always talks about hypnotism and deserted islands. It's always bringing up like top five ways to get hypnotized. <laughs> top five deserted islands. Like, motherfucker, every week you bring up being hypnotized in deserted islands. I mean, have you have you have you ever been uh, hypnotized? No. I've never even been to a show like that. I've never been to like a hypnotist, a mentalist, a ventriloquist, a comedian. I've never been to any of those kind of shows. Oh, I've man. been to movies and concerts, and that is the only form of entertainment that I have ever been to. I knocked it out. Well, comedians are great, and I saw a ventriloquist comedian. Twofer, huh? I mean, are you that afraid of, like, losing your self-control? Like, what if you just fucking let it out, dude? Why do you have so much rage? I'm definitely one of these people that holds in my emotions for as long as I possibly can. Good, good. Let that boil over. But, like, look, it's just all from you holding in your emotions. You got to let them out. I I don't want this to turn into a Nick Vinzant uh, therapy session. So can we move, can okay, we move on? Okay, fine. Fine. I, I will say this, getting back, to, getting back to the hypnotism, is there was a movie that was released in 2000 or 2001 called Stir of Echoes. And I think it starred Kevin Bacon. And it's a horror movie. And it's about hypnotism and it's, it, it's I, I won't give away the plot, but either way, that movie scared the shit out of me. During his hypnotism, a ghost like basically tries to pull him in and then he solves like her murder case and it ends up being like one of his neighbors that did it. But he only mm. he only saw the ghost remember that movie. because of the hypnotism and like I'm, I'm afraid like I don't want to be under hypnotism and then unlock some door next thing I know I'm seeing you know, my fucking grandpa walking around like I'd be petrified. I don't like being in awkward situations in front of people, which is why I would never do it. I mean, just give me a little tipsy. and I'll do it. You want mm -hmm. like you say you don't want to be hypnotized, but you do want to be hypnotized. You want to let the real John Shaw out, but you're just trying to keep him bottled up. And that's why you have so much anger frustration. Do you have a tissue? <laughs> Dude, this is like your therapy session. Yeah, what is this turning into? Nobody wants to hear this. All right, let's uh, let's move on to some shout outs here. Uh, all right, we're going to start with John Worth, uh, Peter White, Matthew Lazard, Maria Fernandia, Matt Wentworth, Jeremiah Hardin, Marcus Wood, Amanda Exarlis, Katie Guts, and Cameron Allen. You all get the uh, the special shout outs this episode. All right, let's see here. So this one's pretty simple, but I was just wondering your take on this. Uh, it could be any sandwich, but uh, are you a uh, don't cut it kind what of person? Did what, is, wait, of, what did you say? Yeah, sandwich. 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 Isn't it a sandwich? Yeah, but I say sandwich. You wait, What do you say? Oh boy! Just for just so everyone knows, Nick is like he's eating the camera right now because he he's like. I'm really interested to this. see what you're saying. Uh, sandwich, widge, widge, sandwich. Yeah, sandwich. But you know it's pronounced sandwich. Yeah, so maybe add a D and right? a G in there. Leave me alone. 
I'm going to eat a sandwich. Yeah, you kind of say like sand wedge, like a golf club a little bit. Sandwich. Fine. You want me to say like how all you Americans say it? I'm going to eat my sandwich. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I know what you're talking about. Okay. All right. What was your question? Sorry about that. Yeah. I just Anyways, I, uh, I was just trying to figure out if you said it differently, if that's like, but you always say it that way. I mean, until you just corrected me, no one's ever called me out on it. Imagine that. Just let me be me here. All right. Just, uh, just want anyways. to just leave me alone. I just, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's a unique pronunciation of the word. I'm proud of you for sticking with it. The, the question was, are you a don't cut, cut it kind of person? Do you cut it in half? Or do you eat it without the crust? Well, the only time that I'm going to cut it in half is if it's like a big sandwich and I clearly can't eat the whole thing. Or if it really needs to be cut in half in which you've got that hard ass bread on the sides where like you got to start this from the middle and go out. Otherwise, I don't think that you should be cutting up sandwiches. I don't care how what kind of sandwich it is. If it's a circle kind of sandwich, like you put it on a bagel, like kind of a thing, one of those things, a biscuit, if you've got the traditional bread, if you've got fancy bread, whatever, even if it's a wrap, I don't think that it should be cut in half and you should eat the thing as the good Lord intended. How would you feel if, if, uh, say you were in the, in the workplace and your coworker was like, Oh, Hey, you know, let's have some lunch. And they pull out their lunch and there is a crustless sandwich. What, what would you, would you think less of that person? Are they allergic to crust? Because if they're not allergic to crust, then I'm immediately going to think less of that person and wonder why you're taking the crust off like an eight-year-old. And that person should be ridiculed and they deserve every single thing about it. They should be made fun of. I don't think – I think one of the big problems in our society right now is that we don't have enough people calling other people out. People need to be checked, right? And the fact that you've been going around – for 30 plus years saying sand wedge and nobody has said anything to you is clear evidence of the failure of American society. <laughs> you're still you're you're still on the sandwich thing, huh? I'm just saying that there needs to be I'm not saying bullying, but people need to be called out more. I don't, maybe it's just where I was raised. I don't know. It's I don't think it's that big of a deal. You think that's is that a, a regional dialect that people say it differently? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, that's why maybe I'm that's... so fascinated about it. Like, yeah, maybe call up Papa Shaw, call up Papa Shaw <laughs> and find out how he pronounces sandwich. If he's not, saying I'm sandwich, not going to call up Papa Shaw, but I, I agree with you. I, I do think we need to call people out more. However, I don't think that needs to be bullying. I think you can call people out without bullying them. Right. And I think that ultimately it, it does one of two things. It checks people or it makes you say, this is who I am. And I'm stand up for yourself, right? I think it helps on both fronts that people need to be challenged about things. Constructive criticism is a, is a wonderful thing. Unfortunately, pe- people don't really uh, take it very well, some people. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, would you rather be social media infamous for one hour or tabloid famous for a lifetime? I mean, I'd probably rather be tabloid famous for a lifetime simply because like nobody really remembers like can can you remember when you're going through the supermarket can you remember the headline on any of those magazines that they put at the front can you think of like one single headline that you remember nope i don't even pay attention to to them to be honest with you i see them and i remember some where it's always like the ufo ate my baby (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or something along those lines, but I don't remember it specifically. So I would much rather have like an incident in the tabloids that would live forever than to be on the internet for an hour. Because even though you're cycled through faster, people could always look that shit up. Like True. nobody's going back and like, what did the National Enquirer say in June of 1985? And they some, they say some yeah. wicked shit too, man. It's just some off the wall. Oh, they got. I, I don't really have much for current events. It's the same bullshit, really. Except. Pete Davidson's going into space, so good for him. No, he's not. Oh, he isn't now? He's not going into space. No, apparently he's too busy. He's too busy to go into space? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Oh, God, I forgot. John is very sensitive about who... John, 
when he first brought this up, wanted to be the space cadet or the space police commander. I got who and who does not get to go into space and was very upset about the people they yeah. are allowing to go to space. Just right. Me. Like you have to draw the line at Pete Davidson. Like what the, Come okay. On. We're just letting anybody go up there. Right. At least the rock has had like a lifetime achievement of like, okay, I kind of get it. We don't even care anymore about who's going into space. It's no longer even impressive to me. This might be uh, a, a, a bigger issue with me, though. I, I, I kind of have a problem with Pete Davidson, but I don't know why I have a problem with Pete Davidson. Even though this is not the kind of show for people listening for the first time, we do not talk about things like this. He has elevated himself somehow to the pro- to the point of where it has to be talked about. And, like, I just don't think anybody – he I okay, this is my theory. To be – Come celebrity famous right now it's better to have people wonder about why you got into that position in the first place than to be clearly talented do you understand why what percentage of famous people right now would you say i understand why they're famous i mean probably less than 50 percent i could go as i could go 20 percent the other 80% I'm like they were on what are they famous for? Yeah, let's let's we better just move on. Oh my god. Okay. Look, I'm expecting big things out of you because if you guys have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that John is a food and drink snob. <laughs> you are. You know you're a food and drink snob. Man, I I I just if I get a chance to cook, I like to I like to do it up. I'm sorry. I mean, and if I, if I'm buying beer at the store, I, I'd rather buy a six dollar bottle of something that I've never had before. That you know, instead of a a twelve pack of Miller High Life, most times for twelve dollars, it's just the way I am. I'd go natural light. Okay, so our top five is top five small kitchen appliances. We're not counting like stove and dishwasher and refrigerator because that's too easy all right uh my number five is the waffle maker slash griddle oh wait a minute now my number five is griddle but i consider the you have a combination waffle maker and griddle yeah i have a i i know that they are technically two separate apparatuses but mine is two and one so that's why I put it as number five because it's my list and I have the two-in-one waffle maker and griddle uh, machine. Okay. Without ever seeing one of these, I am going to make the assumption that the waffle making side is on the left side of it and the griddle is on the right. No. No. It's, uh, it's, one, it's one piece and it has removable plates. Yeah. So the whole thing is either a waffle maker or a griddle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now if you didn't have a combination, which one of those are you going to leave at your number five, a waffle maker or a griddle? Ooh, so tough. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go waffle maker. We use the waffle yeah. maker a lot more than the griddle. The griddle is handier, but the waffle maker is overall the better thing to have. Like, oh, you got a waffle maker? Like, yeah, I do. And you said your number five is a waffle maker? No, my number five is a griddle. Griddle, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is a pressure cooker. Is a pressure cooker the same as a crock pot? Ooh. Um, I, I don't. I know. I don't think they are because one uses one uses obviously pressure and, and steam and heat. The other one just uses heat crock <laughs> one uses pressure and the other uses crock um no I, no they're not they're not the same thing why do they call it a crock pot do you think it was invented by a guy named like peter crock or was yeah. crocking an ancient cooking technique can you look this up for us okay i'll give you my num- my number four is a crock pot the crock pot was uh, comes from lithuania Crock-Pot and slow cookers are not interchangeable. They are separate things. Oh, it's a brand name. So Crock is, oh, a Crock-Pot. So it's like Kleenex. 
where that's not what it's actually called. Crock-Pot is the name of a brand, that is, but it is a slow cooker. So it's actually a slow cooker, and this the brand became ubiquitous, and people called it a Crock-Pot. Kind of like uh, Tabasco sauce or Kleenex, in which the hmm. brand name became the thing. Or Q-tips. <laughs> Very underrated uh, uh, bathroom accessory, by the way. If if you can't tell, I'm obsessed with things like that. I am obsessed with things where the name of the brand has become what the thing is called. I can For name sure. off a bunch of them. Tabasco sauce, crock pots, Q-tips, Kleenex, Whiteout. Thanks for thanks for participating in this episode. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I jacked that up. I, I jacked that part up. Um, <laughs> you said it with good confidence, though. Even though you had no clue what was going on, I like it. No, I was trying to like yeah. process what you were saying, and it just uh, you know what I was talking about. This is the problem: is that I would love to talk about this with people all the time because I think it's fascinating, but nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. And every time I've tried to bring it up, people have given me the response that you got. Like I try to bring it up with my wife, and she's just like, "I don't care." But I'm fascinated. I would want to talk about this all the time. As you tell me several times in the past that you just stopped listening to me. I tried at least. <laughs> You did try, but I just really want to talk about this, and nobody will ever talk about it with me. Well, it's disappointing. Well, okay, what's your number I'm gonna, three? I'm gonna keep moving on. Uh, my number three is a toaster. Mm. I had a hard time with toaster. It's on. You know, I just don't use it. You know, like what are you? How often are you using a toaster? Are you using a toaster on a weekly basis? Yeah, probably every other day. To be honest, what are you making? Are you making toast or are you making pop tarts? Uh, you know, I like to toast the bread for sandwiches, uh, for different things. You know, just even if even if I'm making like uh, hamburgers, I you know if I'm making them inside during the winter, I might throw like the hamburger bun in the toaster for for a minute or two, get it nice and crunchy or something. I would agree with you, but my like down on my list easier than you'll see why I don't have a toaster and why I don't consider toaster to, to me is I wouldn't even put a toaster in my honor. It would be at the back end of an honorable mention at me for this point. Ooh, uh, all right. My number three, my number three only because it's kind of irreplaceable, not necessarily that you use it that much, but there's no real alternative. Like, like with the toaster, you can accomplish the same effect in different ways. But okay. my number three is a blender because there's things that you really just like, oh, you kind of got to have a blender. Blenders are on my honorable mention. They're on my honorable mention. I mean, it's, you, you need to have one, but it's use is more of a luxury than, 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 than most things. Unless you're one of these health nuts, then you need it to make your smoothies. But, uh, but yeah, blender didn't make my top five. Okay. All right. What's your number two? Uh, a coffee maker. Oh, I would say that I would think that a lot of people could put that as two or number one. I do not drink coffee. So to me, it's meaningless, but I completely understand that you would put that there. Yeah. I mean, there, it's pretty self-explanatory. You can also get, be fancy and have an espresso machine, a tea maker. What's your number two? Microwave. I'm just going to say that's my number one. The only reason I don't have microwave as number one is because it has recently in the last couple of years been supplanted by a toaster oven, which I think is the greatest small kitchen appliance is a toaster oven. My, it basically accomplishes everything that you need of an oven, a toaster, and a microwave. It's faster than your traditional stove or your oven. Mm -hmm. It does the same thing as a toaster. And it's pretty comparable to a microwave, except it makes you feel like, ooh, no, I'm feeling a little fancier today. I don't want to microwave this. I'm going to put it in the toaster oven. It's basically a to it's basically a microwave with more self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I've never owned a toaster oven, so that's why I, I didn't put it on my list. It'll change your life. Once you own a toaster I oven, you can't go to a microwave. I don't use the microwave hardly at all for anything. That's how I felt. What's in your honorable mention? Uh, let's see here. I have a air fryer. Mm, okay. Uh, all right. All right. I do. I do have a blender. 
Um, I also have a Dutch oven. That's not technically an appliance, but <laughs> got him. Um, got him. My low tier for me personally would be coffee maker only because I don't really drink coffee, but I feel like I should have one at the house. That's pretty much all of them, right? You could also say like an electric bottle opener, you know, or like like a wine opener, like an electric wine opener. Those are pretty pretty handy, but that's kind of ridiculous. Like you should just be doing your own shit at that point. Uh, you know what? Okay, where would you then? All right, if you had stove, refrigerator, dishwasher, give me your one through three there, with one obviously being the number the highest. So I'm gonna go stove at number three. Uh, dishwasher Real? at number two Whoa. and refrigerator at number one. <sighs> to me, dishwasher is number three. I would at, at times almost rather wash the dishes. That's a lie. I, I washed dishes by hand with two toddlers uh, for a year and it, I, I, I never want to do that again. Oh, that would be bad. Does your wife make you wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, though? Like on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how dirty are your dishes when you put them in the dishwasher? Like Depends one the- being like you don't even know it's been used and ten being like this thing looks like it's somebody the dog buried it in the yard. Like how clean are your dishes when you put them in there? It depends on how lazy I am. If uh, if I'm not being lazy, I'll, I'll give them a good rinse. If I'm frustrated or just don't want to do them in general, I'll just throw them in there with chunks of shit on them. I don't care. I basically have been crushed down into where I can't even put them in there. They have to be like a two or a three, almost completely clean. Like, are these washed or not before I'm even Uh allowed? Otherwise, I'm going to hear about it. They've got to be basically washed. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating. It really helps us out. We really do appreciate it. And let us know what you think is the best kitchen appliance. I would, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm a microwave man. Microwave everything all day. But toaster oven, really, it, it changed my life. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.